Good afternoon. And welcome to Ringside, an American Dairy Goat podcast. I'm John, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Nate. Nate, how's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Doing wonderful. It's beautiful out there. Yeah, it's a, it's a good day. A little bit hot, you know, but it's summer, and it's not a tropical storm, so I guess that's good. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is. So you guys got hit with that tropical storm, uh, Aseasis, or however you say the name. Um, you guys get dumped with a lot of rain and wind, or how'd you make out? We, we, it, it was like any other uh, rain, rainy day. We got a bit of rain. We got a little bit of wind. Um, I mean, nothing like what you guys got. I mean, we are driving to work the following day. They had flash flood war- warnings, but there really was nothing. I mean, it didn't even put this streams or rivers up to full stage so um you guys really got hammered yeah we uh we ended up with about seven or eight inches of rain um and a pretty bad wind um i'm not sure what the actual mileage per hour was but it was enough to bend trees and make me check on the barns that are close to the tree lines to make sure that you know nothing was squashed by a tree (laughs) so uh but yeah we ended up getting quite a bit of rain um luckily no flooding here we're we're pretty lucky that we're up on a hillside and uh you know everything drains down towards the river because we're right on the hudson river um but you know i know quite a few people in you know downstate pennsylvania they dealt with some craziness with flooding uh, I saw a post. Who, who was it? I don't even. I don't even remember who it was. But was it, um, Ben Macemore? It it might have been Ben. Yeah, and he. Uh, yeah, it was because he also has dairy goats and dairy cows with Holsteins, and he showed a picture of his neighbor's place that the cows were standing, you know, chest high in water. Yeah, and, and I I believe someone down in the comments asked why didn't they put them out to pasture, and uh, he or someone put a, a picture in of of showing the pasture with this one cow out there like neck deep with just the very top line of the cow above the water, and, and you know, with comment of this is the pasture, and everyone was kind of like, okay. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if there's nowhere for the water to go, it's just going to sit there until it recedes. And uh, I think luckily for them, I haven't seen any recent pictures, but I'm sure it's receded pretty quick just because they've been awfully dry. Um, well, I, I think he posted they'd had five inches of rain the week before and it, it uh, uh, drained away pretty well. If, if, Ben listens to this, he can kind of um, contact us and we'll try to do a correction or something. I think yeah. that's what I saw. Um, and, uh, you know, that they'd had quite a bit of rain before the week before. And, uh, it had drained away again, you know, fairly well. So, yep. yeah. Yep. So I haven't, I haven't seen any news of anybody else dealing with any flooding with their herd. Um, so maybe everybody is unscathed or they still don't have power and, and aren't on Facebook. <laughs> right. Right. There are a number I'm sure like that. Yep. Yep. But it was a pretty, pretty tough storm. It was, it was. Um, and you dealt with it while dealing with an injury. Yeah. I, and I was actually off work that day because of uh, said injury. Um, I've somehow managed to injure either my, some kind of ligament in my leg, um, either, you know, MCL, ACL, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm limping around pretty good. I've gone to the doctors and gotten ultrasounds, which uh, I, I was kidding with my wife. You know, she was complaining how cold the gel was. I thought it was soothing. I, I thought it wasn't that bad. <laughs> um, Different part of the body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and uh yeah, and so I got the ultrasound and x-ray. Everything came back, you know, normal because they were thinking blood clot or broken bone. Um, so now I'm just waiting to get an MRI. They're kind of dragging their feet. So this is uh, week three of dealing with this. Um, but, you know, I got to say, every time I see someone complain about having, you know, 
back spasms or or something's going on health wise with them and I kind of scoff and say, Oh, come on, you know, suck it up, it's farming. Then this happens to me and I'm like, Oh no, this is like truly terrible. That like, you know, because tyranny can't do much. She can't lift water buckets right now or or, you know, lug hay bales or, you know, she helps with milking in the afternoon, which is awesome. But I mean, I tell you, it's uh it's pretty grueling. And, and when you have a doe that wants to get feed, knock into your leg, that's bad. It, uh, you can hear it from the neighbor's place, which is a little ways away. <laughs> I believe it. I, I do believe it. <laughs> so, uh, maybe a couple of choice words for said doe. Uh, and actually I have a funny story with that. So that did happen. The, the, one of my does, she, uh, she's a little pushy when it comes to, getting her grain she's a little fat um and you know that's okay but she knocked in my leg and i fell on the ground and i was screaming and she ran out the gate and i i had to hobble around and chase her telling her to get back in the barn tyranny my wife and her father are standing at the end of the road just laughing and pointing at me as i'm trying to get this dough in um but she she got in and and she hasn't been posted for sale yet so that's good well, that, that's the sort of thing you just can't make that stuff up <laughs> you can't it's a it's it, it was something um also i i just found out that um one of my buyers for one of my first freshen fresheners that i am selling uh did back out of the sale today um she they made the decision that they uh weren't gonna get into the dairy side of goats and and you know i don't know if it was cold feet or just um, unwillingness in participants to to help with the milking, but either way, um, I now have another dough to sell. Um, they were kind enough, though, which I love this when somebody knows they're wrong. They were kind enough to kick back uh, a little bit money towards her because they felt bad about having held her for so long for them. So I'm sure wow. I'm sure you've dealt with buyers backing out. I'm sure all of us have. I I, I think that could be. Oh, the stories of buyers backing out that we all could have, or oh, yeah. you know, fill another episode. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, the buyer was sweet, so they had a, a COVID scare where you know everybody in their house got tested because a couple people had fevers, and and you know they were like, "I'm so sorry," and I was, I told them, I was like, "I am so happy that you were being so honest with me about you know this possible scare." Um, so, you know, thank you and I'll hold her. And then this happens and I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> so, well, you know, it, it might have even been a case where they, uh, realized that if they all got sick, who's going to take care of the goat? Yeah. And it might, yeah, I, I, I prefer someone back out for a reasonable or responsible reasons like, you know, hey, realize we can't take care of it. Right. Then to buy the animal and then realize they can't take care of it. 100%. That's my biggest fear because I, you know, I truly love these goats. You know, they're, they're part of the family, especially when you're selling a milker. And, and, uh, you know, it's always in the back of your mind if you're doing the right thing with the people that you're selling these animals to. So for somebody to be, you know, upfront and honest like that is, you know, nothing but respect. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I... uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, one of those things. Um... So we'll move on to uh, ad good news for this week. Um, last week we were talking about, you know, the, uh, the vote to go through for judges' licenses to be, um, that were expiring to be, you know, pushed for another year. Um, or and we were talking about how it could it should in our opinion be you know for everybody to be extended for a year well they they came down with a vote and the vote was just for the licenses that were expiring this year to be pushed a year yes um i i think it was one of these things where there was a committee and and they uh reviewed various different options and um, what they presented to the the directors was what they felt was the best option. Right. Um, now, there are 
many of us who, who felt that it wasn't the best option, but I guess there were enough directors who did. And, and so from what I've heard, it, it went through, it passed. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I was told that the committee is going to revisit it in the fall to see, you know, where COVID is at that stage and, and they might make a change to that vote. But until then, who knows? <laughs> As of right now, it's just going to be for the expiring licenses of this year. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, so, and also, um, you know, moving on from that, uh, director's ballots should be returned, folks. By August tenth, we're super late. We should have we should have talked about it last week, and I think it was on the docket, but we got talking. <laughs> right? That, yeah, exactly. I mean, that never happens with us. <laughs> no, no, we don't. We don't just go off the rails. That never happens. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they're due August tenth, so they should have been mailed out by now. Um, you know, if you want your your opinion and voice heard by the person you want. Um, in that position, you need to vote. And, you know, a lot of people have told me, oh, I don't even vote because it doesn't count. Well, it, it does. You know, vote. <laughs> so if you want to just sit in the back and not say anything, great. But if you want to be all over social media talking about certain issues, vote. Right. So it's, uh, you know, a lot of people just... Um, just don't don't think it's worth it, but I, I honestly I think it's a it's a big thing. Um, anyway, so well, I mean, I mean, with the directors, the thing to realize is you have a, a issue with the show, yeah. or with the reg- registration, or even with the office. I mean, we never, no one's ever had to call the office with a problem, right? Right. Um, but uh, you 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 get if you have a problem with with what's going on i i'll admit i've called my director and said look you know i was at a show my dough should have earned her leg it was seven days ago i found out paperwork's been handed in and she's not getting her leg yeah because x y or z and i i talked to my director and you know, they they pick up the phone, they call down there, and they they find out what's going on. Exactly. And they make information that I don't, I can't get. Um, so it's a uh, you know, you want somebody you you can trust, somebody you can talk to. Um, right. In you know, New York, we have three directors, so you got a good variety. On New York District, too. Right. You have three directors. And you know, talking about the shows and and that not showing up, it actually it happens more than people think. Like, it's it's a common occurrence, not super common, but you know, I'd say one out of ten shows something's messed up. I, I had uh, I had your wife look up a, subs- a subscription report on one of my age does gem, and she's like, "See, look, it's super easy." And I'm like, "Yeah, there's a reserve win that's missing out of that. That's weird." You know, and yeah, so it's it happens, and I know another person going through it when their their buck finished. So we'll see. I mean, it, people just need to pick the person that's going to that's that's going to be able to be trustworthy and and, and able to be approached, and you need to vote to do that. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, exactly. But. Moving on from that, I saw something pretty cool that I wanted to mention. Um, the Golden Guernsey Goats, you know, the, the new breed that, that is being added into Adga Herd Book, um, their goats are closer to being added. And Goat Journal and United Comprene uh, News are going to be advertising all of the members of the Golden Guernsey Breeders of America in September for, I believe it was Goat Journal, and October for United Caprine News, um, which is super awesome. And if somebody's not a member of the Golden Guernsey Breeders of America, I mean, that's a huge opportunity. Oh, it is. It, it, it's great. And I mean, that those would be issues to hold on to, too, because, you know, 10, 15 years down the road to look back and see 
who was there and you know who who mm-hmm. were the uh, herds that were were there and then then the herds that are you know uh, around in ten to fifteen years right you know who who was yeah. the the foundation of them coming up you know right. and uh, so the the Golden Guernsey breeders of America they're going to be doing a similar campaign in the spring. So if you're a Golden Guernsey breeder um, and not a member of the GGBOA, because it's better than saying all of the other words, uh, it is you, a mouthful, isn't it? It, it sure is. Uh, but if you uh, if you want your herd recognized, I mean, the advertisement is amazing, and the membership is only twenty bucks. And I believe they take PayPal um, and, yeah, I mean, they have a, a pretty active Facebook group. There, and it's only getting more lively as the breed's getting closer and closer to being added in. So. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's, um, you know, for, for me, it, it's, I know the, you know, one of the club presidents is down there in Pennsylvania, uh, Joan Stump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so she's pretty active, uh, very energetic, you know, woman who's, who's helping lead this and push this. Um, no, I think it's exciting. It's fun. It'll be interesting to see them at, at you know, the first AGCA show that a sanctioned breed mm-hmm. uh, this exhibition. Uh, I saw a post on their Facebook page where somebody was uh, mentioning how, you know, they had a picture of a doe in a pen and it was golden currency and they were get, getting ready for a show. So I guess they're showing already, but just not sanctioned. I, I think that's what's happening. I think some shows are having classes for them, mm-hmm. but they're not sanctioned. So I'm right. not sure how you do that with a show, whether you do it, do the classes after the Edgar show um, yeah. or you do it during lunch break. I don't know. What what uh, color do you think their ribbon's going to be? Oh, goodness. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you got the yellow for uh, Nigerians, right? Well, and then the, the teal for the stable. Yeah, so you, you would think they'd want it gold for, you know, gold and Guernseys, but it's already kind of taken by the Nigerians. So what color do they go with? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Orange. That could be. Yeah. That might be, orange. that might be it right there. That might make the most sense. Like a burnt orange. I just, burnt Yeah. But isn't that kind of like the overhead for colors? Well, yeah, I wouldn't know. Cause I haven't gotten any of those ribbons yet. So I just look at them from afar. <laughs> Uh, yeah <laughs> uh, but now back to topic because you know we go off the rails here uh it's honestly if you're a golden guernsey breeder or want to become a breeder like once you get your herd in your name join this you know association because that's an awesome opportunity because i know you know for myself I was trying to talk Tierney into uh, getting some uh, Golden Guernseys instead of Nigerians. Uh, and she didn't bite. But, I mean, there's got to be a ton of breeders out there saying, you know what? That would be cool to start out with some of those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to be that, – that, that would be a fun breed. But I uh... – well, I've got, I've got my breed already. So. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I, I know you like those golden guarantees. Come on. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Oh. I'm. I'm sticking with my. With my OBs. So. I don't, I don't blame you. Uh, so moving off of all that's all the news for the week. We're moving off that. Um, and we're gonna go to our topic of the week, which this week we're gonna be talking about getting your herd ready for breeding season which is exciting. It's right around the corner. Uh, Nate, what, what, what would you say is like your biggest to do's when it comes to getting ready for breeding season? Oh, well, yeah, we, let's see here. (laughs) Our biggest to do's are, uh, making sure my does are ready and my bucks are ready. Um, I I like my does to be in, in good rig, good flushing. Um, you know, um, and then 
likewise with the box, but we try to, you know, we'll give them Zeppelin and, uh, you know, keep a, a salt block candy for them, plenty of exercise, um, you know, keep them in uh, good flesh and good rig. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, get them ready. It, it, it sounds odd, but for, for, I guess, the way I look at the bucks during breeding season, they're like athletes. Yeah, um, 100%. Know, once, once, you know, that first doe comes in heat and, you know, the rest are lo- looking towards it, um, it uh, you know, they're going to be, uh, you know, breeding but they're all you know their hunger shifts from you know they, they don't eat as much and and um that's why near the end of breeding season you see a lot of bucks that look kind of um sad you know yeah uh, not sad emotionally but they're you know a bit thinner than you would you would expect you know they may not be walking around you know show quality looking Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a little roach to them, um, <laughs> covered in pee and oh yeah, smelling oh so beautifully. Uh, I uh, I the first year breeding my own does, um, the fir- the first year actually, you know, having the does, they were they came bred, so I had no idea. Uh, and then the second year, I used the same buck from the same breeder, brought him over here. Uh, he was already rutted out i mean he looked he didn't look terrible he he was one of those bucks that wasn't showy but man he threw awesome kids and he still does uh but he definitely needed a little bit of a booster he had already been through the rigor over there and now he was coming over for my does um and the one thing i gotta say is is you need your your bucks in good condition and the one thing that i really focus on is making sure that i don't have a worm load on them um you know i'm not I'm not sitting there worming them for no reason, but if if they need to be wormed, I'm going to worm them and uh, give them that extra boost. You, you know, I would never have recommended this 20 years ago, but I would now. Um, I highly recommend this, the whole Famacha training. Mm-hmm. Okay. And really, Famacha itself is, is looking at the color of the gums and the eyes, and comparing it to the Famacha card. Um, that, that's really not where I got, I and mean, that was handy. Really, what I fully appreciated was, um, we, we, when my daughter and I, we took the training, uh, with Dr. Tatiana Stanton of Quantum mm-hmm. University. And she, she covered the Fremacha training in like 15, 30 minutes. Oh, really? And the rest, yeah. And then the rest of the training was like, um, three hours of identifying, uh, doing fecal samples, identifying the eggs in the fecal sample, um, identifying um, the worms and the feces when you can see them superficially, you know, just as the animals, you know, defecated. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you, and then seeing the signs, clinical signs, um, of what the worm is doing to your animal, and they all she also covered barber pole and meningeal worm, which and is a big one in your area. It, it is. Um, we actually, um, it was uh, very good timing with the meningeal worm training because um, a year ago, one of our does went to go get up on we, we have two stands, the higher one, the lower one one of our does went to go up onto the lower stand and she stumbled going up mm-hmm. and we started checking over what was going on. Cause she's a normally healthy doe. And, um, we see this l- line of itching where she's itched herself going up, you know, her rib cage. And my, my then nine year old daughter looks at me and, this looks like the meningeal worm itching the meningeal worm line that we saw crazy with dr stanton and we we looked at we were like well let me go look and i looked at the notes we had 
sure enough. And uh, it turned out we ended up with eight out of 15 does with meningeal worm. Um, Which is absolutely crazy. That, it, that it is. How many in your herd? That's unheard of. It, it is. And so we ended up treating, and you can treat it with a combination of fembendazole and ivermectin. Mm-hmm. Um, because ivermectin won't break, won't get into the brain cavity. But the right. fembendazole will, but the ivermectin will kill it on the skin. The fembendazole kills it more internally. Um, all of the does survived. Um, but that going back to the original topic, mm-hmm. of, you know, yeah, I, I don't, we don't recommend uh, worming just as a, well, it's April 1st, time to worm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but I do recommend um, keeping track of your animal, per, doing periodic fecal checks. Um, mm-hmm. If you think you've got an issue, you know, check the famacha on your animals if there's an issue, you know, and that's just the shade of the, the eyelid. Um, right. And, you know, take that fecal sample, you, you get it under the microscope and, and you see what worm eggs you have in there. And if and you can't do it yourself, you go to your vet. Um, exactly. Most vets will do it. Yep. And the FAMACHA uh, scorecard, you can actually take a course online. Yeah. Uh, and once you get your training, they mail you the, the placard. Yes. Leave. I might be wrong on yeah. that, but I'm pretty sure. Um, and you know, it's it's a good training. Do I've done it, um, and I swear by it. You know, I check my doors over. I can also tell when they're starting to get a little wormy because um, I really I try not to worm them too crazy because I'd like to build an immunity. But if they need it, they're going to get it. Right. Uh, now, one thing that a lot of people miss when it comes to taking care of their bucks and does when it comes to breeding season, and, you know, sometimes they neglect altogether for a little bit longer than it should, is hooves. Oh, yeah. Um, and trimming the hooves. You know, that's a that's a big thing that people I, I've seen uh, really just overlook. I mean, that's the, that's the foundation of your animal that, that needs to be, you know, taken care of periodically. The the dough the dough needs to be able to hold an additional two hundred two hundred and fifty pounds on the standard breed. You yep. know, I'm not sure exactly on the what your Nigerian buck might run. Um, uh, usually they're about sixty or so, but they've got to hold the weight of that animal that's jostling around on top of her. You know, for that minute or so of breeding or or thirty seconds, um, mm-hmm. and that that's a lot of weight, um, and then the buck has to be able to get up on a good set of pasterns and and mm-hmm. feet, and be able to stand and hold his own weight up. And right, um, as you said, yeah, it's foundation. It's one of the reasons why, um, even you know, I, I think feet and legs and pasterns. And especially the, the hooves, that's the most important thing in, in, yeah. in not just in the shoving, it's important in breeding season. I think it's important in, as they're getting ready to freshen, especially for those does who are in that last, you know, I want to say, you know, few weeks before freshening, um, mm-hmm. they're holding, you know, an extra 30, 40 pounds with yeah. bodily fluids and the kids. And, yep. And can't stress uh, hoof trimming enough. Um, we, we try to do it not a daily basis, but, you know, we've got the hoof trimmers right there by the milk stand. Um, oh, yeah, me too. And yep. the box. I get, check them all the time. The box, you know. Okay. We get we check them and we're bringing them in each night. Um, you know you can't if, if they're on bad feet and leg feet mainly in the feet. Um, it, it's like try wearing slippers all the time. You know. Well, I was going to actually. I was thinking in my head. It's like 
it's like wearing tennis shoes for a sporting event and then in when it's time that the hooves shoes need to be trimmed they turn into stiletto heels and that can just you know knock out you can turn an ankle real quick you know the foot comes out from underneath you it'd be like uh, stiletto heels all the time yeah exactly yeah and it's uh so guys imagine, imagine having <laughs> so, <laughs> go to your go to your wife's closet <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please don't please don't be putting on stiletto heels and trying it out <laughs> yeah exactly yeah oh my goodness yeah but it's it's a thing and you know you can really damage your animals if you don't just take care of something very simple like their hooves oh yeah oh yeah most most definitely i i fully agree i i think see some of these things, like you mentioned the hooves, I didn't mention hooves because it's something we, we do along. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I, and I agree there. To me, I, I mentioned the men, minerals, you know. Which is also big. And it's really big. It's an animal that, that doesn't have the right minerals in them. You know, you have bugs. You know, when you're getting ready, if you're doing collection, um, they recommend, you know, make sure, you know, here's some replement here, make sure your bucks are ready and mm. making sure they've got minerals is one of those ways of making sure they're ready. Um, so, um, you know, you don't need bucks shooting blank. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Especially if they're bucks that you've invested quite a bit of money into. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so. So, it, you know, just simple care for your goats and, and they'll be fine. You know, it's it's pretty simple with that. Uh, now, one one thing that I had thought of when, you know, we talked about this topic, um, you know, you know, doing this topic uh, was inducing heats. Now, I know you guys, at least last year, I believe you were inducing heats. I don't know about this year, um, but are you guys still doing that? So last year we just for those who, who don't know, last year we were uh, the uh, helped coordinate the New York State uh, buck collection at Cornell. Um, and as such, we were um, volunteered to bring <laughs> the, the teaser does. We needed four teaser does. Mm-hmm. Um, un- up to this point, we had just done natural heat, natural heat cycles when they came in. They came in, um, so we kind of jumped in, in with both feet with the whole inducing of heat cycles. You know, we we got ourselves some cedars and we got the PG six hundred and we we got the loot and uh, we put the uh, cedars in um, two weeks before, right? And uh, we waited and we pulled. We pulled it. We we then did the, you know, just I think I I don't exactly remember exactly the protocol we used, but then I think just before we we pulled the, uh, we we did the PG six hundred and then the loot and uh, my wife would have to correct me and and exactly the protocol <laughs> we followed. Oh, don't worry, she'll be on one of these days and she'll correct oh, everything that you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but, uh, we did that and we had four does in standing heat and it was wow. And, uh, one of those does actually had just prior to buck luck and when we were getting ready to pull those cedars, her cedar came out, whether she pulled it out or whether another doe pulled it out. Yeah, that tends to happen. Um, my dad used to work for Cornell university and, Every once in a while, we'd visit the the sheep barn, and they used to cedar their ewes. And uh, yeah, they'll pull them out. Yeah, that's, yeah. See that string, you know, that's exactly. no big deal. <laughs> that little thing sticking out the side there. Yep. And uh, so she came out actually. She actually it came out like a day early or two days early. So she was just a little bit ahead. Um, mm-hmm. They all were great teasers for for the buck at the buck collection. We brought them all home. And uh, the one who was early, we quickly, you know, 
AI'd her. And then um, the other two were, two of the others were going to get live cover. And we put them in with the buck. And the fourth one, we had picked up some semen at the buck collection. So we waited a, little, a day or two and we AI'd her. But she ended up with a 90-hour heat cycle. Oh, that I remember that one. Yeah. She ended That's up with a 90-hour heat cycle. We dropped four straws of semen in her. And I don't remember. Did that one take? Cut to 21 days later. Yeah. <laughs> all four does were back in heat. That's crazy. With a natural heat cycle. The first doe that had pulled hers out and that we tried AIing before, we AIed her again. She took. The other two does were now on a natural heat cycle. We put them in with, at this point, uh, our, our buck we'd, we bought from Idaho. And uh, they ended up taking. Mm-hmm. And the fourth doe wouldn't take on anything. <laughs> and then we had a friend over with an ultrasound. We kind of ultrasounded her and they said, there's something in there, but it's not moving. Mm. And so we looted her and nothing came out. So we don't know whether she absorbed it or what. But um, after we looted her, um, she came in heat. We brought her and she took. Which is awesome. Um, so so I, I, I don't know whether we screwed up. I know there are a lot of people swear by this method. Swear by right. the um in PG six hundred and Lou. Um we actually have we're trying a a slightly different protocol um on six does. Maybe it's seven. Um this fall. Um actually we're in the middle of process of just trying to induce a heat cycle with loop. And then um, waiting 21, you know, let it induce the heat cycle. Right. Day one of the heat cycle. So you guys are you guys are going to be natural heat. Right. Because you we, guys are going to be trying to do it again this year, just not with cedars. Right. Um, what it is is we have found we've had greater success with the nat- with AI with the natural heat. Okay. Um, and I don't know whether it's just how we do it, that we we just can't do it with the PG-600 um, and the Cedars. Um, maybe we're missing something. Um, or we don't know, but we found that with the natural heat, we have a uh, 50%, 50% success rate. Which is not bad. Yeah. That's no. not bad at all. So... So yeah, so there's there's going to be you know good and bad parts as far as inducing does goes, you know, and we I I just don't see us ever really trying it just because I kind of don't want to repeat what I have happened last spring naturally. Uh, <laughs> see, was... so, so this is where my my daughter brought up. She said, "You do realize that it means that we're going to have seven does." That are going to be freshening like within a 24 hour time frame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I did, I did that with four naturally this spring. And I can tell you, it was a long day. <laughs> it was a long I, day, I, I should uh, say. <laughs> we started with three. And, and for whatever reason, it's not a, that it's a long day for us. You, lucky for you, it was daytime. For us, yeah. our does love to freshen at night. No matter when we change their you know, feedings or, or, or what. Um, yeah. They just prefer the cover of darkness. And <laughs> so, I mean, to those, those people that do that, man, I mean, the people that are, that are cedaring, you know, 10 does at a clip and, you know, hats off to you. Um, so so people do that for AI. They do it to, to sink their does. Um, and that's fine, you know, but, what I want to know and what a lot of people struggle with is 
before you even get to the breeding is how are you choosing the right buck for a particular doe? Do you really want to know? <laughs> well, there's satellites I... in space lining up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I think, I think the problem with a lot of programs and, and, you know, mine as well was that there weren't as many uh, options. So you just had a buck. So you, you, you threw it at him, you know, and I did that for the first two years. And thankfully he threw some decent kids to build off of. I mean, some of them were really nice. And uh, so I got lucky there, but after, you know, kind of fine crafting, fine tuning my craft, I, uh, I really, really think that it comes down to what's lacking and what's not lacking. Um, and, and I think that people need to uh, have a good all around pool of bucks in their herd that can help in different areas. Well, Okay, so I'm I'm gonna go back thirty years ago. <laughs> okay. Thirty years ago in New York State, um, you had uh, Joan Bell in, in, north of Syracuse. Um, you had uh, Miguel down in the Hudson, mm-hmm. and you had you had Marie Armstrong, who had overhustled. Oh, these are just over Hudson herds. Okay. Okay. Um, there's four herds, and they were pretty well established, pretty well known. Um, you had Ostrander down in Sydney, but he really didn't do much outside breeding at the time. And so for us having, you know, me, my showmanship animal, the over Hudson though, to find an Oberhasley buck to breed her to, um, it was a two-hour ride to find a buck. Right. Now, um, for luck, whatever you want to call it, luck or skill, I I was able to finish her and make her permanent champion, but we were never able to really find a buck that could fix her weaknesses. But in, but yet, when she dropped a buck kid, because there was a shortage of Oberhasler bucks, you kept it, or you right. sold it to somebody who was looking for one. Um, now you cut to, you know, twenty twenty, and you know there's so much such an influx of of good genetics from outside the the region as well as you've got breeders who've been doing it for 15, 20 years, mm-hmm. uh, fine-tuned their own animals. Um, you know, you, it's, you can almost shop for the buck that's going to fix what you want fixed. Um, you know, you had, like, what, how do people select the bucks? The way we, we were selecting our boxes, we were looking for weaknesses in our herds. Um, right. For the live cover bucks, we're looking for general weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, most of our does don't have the four other we'd like, or we, we'd like to fix heat placement on almost everybody. Right. <laughs> you know, and, you know, you know, for next week's topic, you know, that was one of the things that kind of directed us towards, you know, our bed at spotlight sale. We were looking for a buck that would fix, you know, width and peak placement. Um, I, I think you found it. <laughs> and, and we, we found it, and and uh, we're liking, you know, the daughters we're seeing, you know, you look at those little doe kids, those teeth, you know, they don't stick out to the side. They go point straight down. Um, but, you know, the, but we have another buck really isn't as well known but you know we brought him in because he's got uh, he's very dairy um he's a powerful looking buck he's the same age as the other bucks in the pen but he's you know good 20 30 pounds heavier mm-hmm. um, yeah yes he's, 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 he's a big guy impressive buck and we love his kids they're all 
they've all got strength. They've, they're very dairy dose. Um, they've got nice angulation in the rear legs, nice set of set to rear legs. Um, we're very pleased with both of those survives. Um, and then we use AI for, we like this style, but we want to improve this trait. Right. And, and I, then, yes. And I think, I think uh, the big, the big picture is, for anyone's herd is what do you want to fix? What's the big problem in your herd? And then what, what do you have available to you to fix that? What buck do you personally own or what AI selections do you have or who can you go visit um, and do driveway breedings like we're offering this year? That's not a plug. I'm just you know, pulling, throwing it out there. Um, you, wanna, you definitely want to find the big issues. And then as time goes on, that's when you start nitpicking. And you're, you're a couple steps ahead of where I'm at as far as that goes. I'm kind of still with general problems with the herd where I can hopefully easily fix. And I think judging from the kids I had born uh, last spring, I've, I've got the right guys. Um, but definitely, I think it's, it's, it's something where you're not going to fix it all at, at once. No, and I don't think you can. You can. Um, and I'm trying to remember exactly who told me this, but really your best bet is to pick, um, two traits Mm -hmm. and uh, you you can't expect a buck to fix more than those two traits. Right. And so find a buck who, uh, who may address one or two of those traits and use them this year. Yep. And then if, if he did the job, great. Find a buck who will fix one or two of those other traits next year. This is where um, linear appraisal is such a powerful tool. Is you get somebody's assessment of your animals on a specific trait. Right. You know, and that's where um, on some of us, we're kind of flying blind this year because we're, we're trying to use this year. <laughs> we, we, we're trying to use linear appraisal scores to yeah. line up bucks for AI or or yep. which which one would be better and you know I've got milking yearlings I have no scores on because yeah. they weren't appraised this year which and, I think we forgot to mention that it, the linear appraisals did get cancelled this year right right um, but yeah. it and where it's affecting people is, you know, how do you now if you hear one like I've got I'll be honest, I've got spreadsheets, you know, twenty or thirty tabs on them, you know, one mm-hmm. for each animal with you know, comparing the dough against this trade type evaluation of various bucks mm-hmm. in my tank, you know, to decide whether I'm gonna AI any that dough to any of the bucks in the tank or whether I'm gonna breed it to the bucks in the barn. And, and I feel like I, you have. I'm sorry. I feel like you have like pictures of different bucks and does, either in your herd or you know bucks that are in tanks, and you have like strings attached from one to the other with like this one's strong in this and this one's weak in that, and like you're like a mad scientist slash detective, you know, trying to get the strings to connect to find out which one's going to make the per- you know a better kid. Well, you know, I, I don't necessarily have the pictures, you know, in that line set, but in having the, the uh, type evaluations, you can almost say, um, yeah, that's what I, I try to do. Mm-hmm. Take those linear scores and, and even comments made by judges. And not if, you know, one judge makes one comment, but if the judges in multiple shows say, this so lacks this. And maybe, you know, if multiple judges are pointing that out, that may be a thing. Right. Uh, or it might be something where if, if a judge points out something that I know is there and they're the only one that picks it out, I might say, aha, you know, maybe I am onto something there. But, you know, you know I, it does sound kind of mad scientist-like. Um, and, but, but it kind of is because it is, you know. It, it <laughs> like, is. <laughs> but it, it, it's that versus just going, 
yep, I got a good buck in the barn. I'm going to breed them to everything. Yeah. Um, because he may not make improvements in my does if his strengths are the same as my strengths and his weaknesses are the in my strengths, my does' strengths. But, you know, and if his weaknesses are the same as my toes' weaknesses, he's just going to be reinforcing those weaknesses and reinforcing those strengths. Exactly. making improvements. And really, that's what I look at when I'm trying to pick a buck out of the tank or to put in the barn. Is, is he going to improve, make improvements in the area that I feel I need improvements? Uh, I think the the two bucks that we brought in, you know, for live cover, they have specific areas that they are going, that they're meant to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our intention is to breed the daughters of one to, you know, the other buck, do that, you know, swapping over and breeding up and, you know, possibly breeding back, you know, um, you know, to try to reinforce traits and, you know, that's, that's, you, you, you ask like what I think about when I am looking at box, that's what I'm looking at for AI. I'm looking for a specific trait. Right. And I feel like some people are a little bit gun shy when it comes to a buck that they own, that's not fixing traits that they want fixed. Um, you know, this year I used two bucks. I used my one Minnesota buck and my one that I bought locally. Um, and the local buck that I bought, he was beautiful, gorgeous. I mean, you saw him. He was not a bad yeah. buck whatsoever. But it did not translate to his kids. He had one kid out of four that was keeper quality, and she she was out of my best dough. So, you know, I don't know how much that said, but he he didn't improve anything that needed to be improved where he should have. So honestly, I just said, well, you know, he's a great buck. He looks beautiful. He, he did do good things, but he also didn't improve where I wanted the improvements. So I sent him down the road and I feel like people are really gun shy when it comes to breeding with doing that. Yeah. You've got it. You know, how long is that buck that you've got going to keep helping you? And, and, you know, we've got, we've, we've sold bucks bucks from our property, um, you know, where they're nice bucks. Mm -hmm. You you sure have. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But are they going to keep improving? Um, Do they, are they throwing the traits that need improvement that, that you want? The other thing Mm -hmm. is, are they hurting your herd? Right. Um, Are they bringing in traits you don't like? Um, right now, I'm kind of on a, a teat placement issue, and you know I like my teats point down, not, and I want them to be kind of. I don't want them over against the leg. Right. Um, some people will refer to that as east west, you know, and I'm yep. trying to buck <laughs> to bring those teats a little more centered, yeah, um, to that half of the other. Um, and, uh, you know, at the same time, when we sell bucks, you know, we don't try to just get rid of them entirely. We try to get them collected, put in the semen mm-hmm. tank, so that if 10 years down the road, we go, you know, that buck would have helped with this problem. Yeah. There he is. Right. And and that probably was a rookie mistake this year with me, with the buck that I sold. But, you know, I can always go, you know, if if his daughter is what I think she'll be, I can always down the road, you know, ask the owners if it'll be all right to get them collected. Um, but I think the the big thing is people set goals for their breeding season, but when they don't come to fruition, they're still holding on to those bucks. And and I think that people just need to be brave enough if they have the means. You know, some people just they use the buck until they can't anymore, which is fine. And they have some very gorgeous animals. Uh, but yeah. the goal is consistency when it comes to a buck, and 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 if he's not proven that consistency out um, with improvements, then then I mean I just think that the listeners should know it's it's okay to you know 
be scared about selling a buck and doing it. It's 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 it's, it's only for the good of the herd. <laughs> right. At the same time, though, you know, you know, do you really want to sell that buck? You know, um, if he's not proving things out yet, sell him. Yep. If he's giving you good consistency, maybe it's not the consistency you were thinking of. Um, you know, like we, we ended up with a very nice type to our junior animals. In fact, that's kind of probably, maybe I, if we have a weakness, it's that our juniors are, are better than our seniors. Your juniors are insane. Yes. They, um, they really are. And, uh, you know, we came out of, I feel like we came out of nowhere. It was like our second year of showing. We went to nationals, um, national show. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I think we did very well, exceptionally well. And we went into uh, junior get a sire. And um, it's still, I we, we did exceptionally well. We had the, these three little does we took in. And... Uh, I and they were all very similar. They were very consistent. And they were very uh, strong and level and straight in the pastures. And and um, we we took second. Um, and it was kind of you know oh wow. But at the same time, um, I think we have one of those stoves <laughs> <laughs> as a milker now. Well. You know, I've had some strong juniors in the past, and and as they freshened, I think I'm, I have one that's definitely staying for now, in the barn. Um, yeah. So it's they're nice until they freshen, man. I mean, sometimes it's the luck of the draw, and and what happens after you know their bread is is you know is a roll of the dice, but. With that said, I mean it's uh, it's something where it's nice to have the nice juniors from that buck, but you want to make sure that he's carrying it over to milkers, and I think that gets lost in translation sometimes, including my herd. Right. Well, I think for us, you and I both are overhunted breeders. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's almost a breed thing where we overhunt was it, it's even back thirty years ago, it was not uncommon for. Uh, over Hudson Juniors to go uh, junior best in show. Right. Um, but it was back then, it was unheard of an Over Milker going best in show. They're known for their, now, their wonky udders. Right. <laughs> nowadays, nowadays um, it happens. Um, you know, here in New York, you know, Sally Graybill has a limoncello who's done it. Oh, yeah. um, you know, um, I I think there's uh, our director down in Pennsylvania had a doe who's done it. Um, it, you know, it happens, but it doesn't happen as often as the Alpines or the Sonnens or the mm-hmm. Go Best in Show. Well, it's all about size. What? <laughs> it's all about size. Well, not necessarily. It is about type, um, mm-hmm. but. Um, it's hype with size. Um, so, but going uh, back, going back to breeding, um, you know, I've also had where you know my Nigerian buck sire that I used uh, last year. He, I was looking for him to improve certain things. He improved some, but he also uh, de-escalated the the, I guess, awesomeness because that's a good word, right? Awesomeness of uh, like the pastures and feet that I had in my does. Um, he, he kind of, he kind of turned those into shambles. Uh, and I kept one kid who has his goofy feet, but she's still really, really pretty doe. So I'm giving her a chance, but uh, yeah, he went down the road. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's the big, the big point to talking about, you know, getting your herd ready is not only are you getting your animals ready by doing their hooves, you know, making sure they're they're in good condition, uh, wormed if they need it, uh, but also getting yourself ready and your goals ready. You need to make sure that your goals are set to where you have X, Y, and Z set on who's getting what, why, and 
when it comes time for kidding, is that is that being uh, worked out? You, you want to know? So here's here's my final thought mm-hmm. on the because we're getting close to the end of the the podcast. Yes, here. we are. Um, is so I have these spreadsheets. Okay, I've got you know these strings. You could say from you know this buck to that buck and trying to figure out the best. You know, checking the alignment of stars and and you know checking. I've got pictures of of you know dams and daughters of of these bucks and. And it really, you know, we, we comes down and we, we publish our planned breeding version one. It's a couple days later, version two. Yep. <laughs> a couple days later, version three. Yep, I'm doing By the same thing By the time we get right to version now. seven, we've stopped calling it version. <laughs> we might have even stopped posting it. Yeah, yep. None of it means anything until that dough has settled. Right. If you can, you can AI, we've got some phenomenal bucks in the tank and you can AI those does to the best semen in the world. And if they don't take, you better have good backup. You better have good backup. But if they don't take and the dough doesn't get bred, yeah. you got a barn bum for a year. <laughs> Trust yep. me, one of my better does went barn bum for a year. Um, so, when I think when it all comes down to it, just make sure they get bred um, to something that you're going to want to keep the kids out of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it better to have, to. I'd even say, you know, you know, no secret, John and I talk, you know, messenger, you know, back and forth. Daily. You know, not doing the podcast. But, you know, some of these really nice bucks out there, mm-hmm. you would think would be, you know, a thousand bucks, you know, to get them. You can get some really nice genetics from nearly any place in the country. Relatively cheap. 100%. Now, there are some stipulations to that. I will yeah, sure. from breeder to breeder. Right. And, you know, breed to breed. I'm not saying that Nigerians are overpriced at all, because I believe with the really good quality animals that are out there, those prices are valid. But you can also search for a Nigerian buck that has just as good of qualities, might be lacking in something. But I found bucks that were very moderately priced and you you didn't have to break the bank and and you got a good buck i just right. think that that you just some people will just see a buck and go okay so um some will say oh it has that name in there i want that name which is fine yeah but i think i think if you just take the time you can find the deals you know that i am a first freshener buck guy you know i i don't hide it both of my bucks are out of first fresheners and that's okay because in my thinking, I know there's, this could be a huge 30 minute thing. We're not going to make it that, but I think that first freshener bucks, if, if the dam has the quality and she freshens nice, that's going to continue. So why not? Um, well, and I, I agree with you, but I also see strengths and other things, but that could be a topic. Yeah. Thing. We'll make now that. We've got 52 sure. weeks of this year. Yeah, we've only used two. <laughs> yeah, um, we can come back to that. Yeah. And you know, and you got to be, you know, what are you willing to spend? You know, what are you going to break the bank? Right. Um, and next week we'll discuss breaking the bank. <laughs> um, we will, folks. Next week we will be having a guest on, um, the owner of Van Just. Um, and also Love Ruck, both of them are going to be coming on. So we'll be having Brandy and Vanessa on, and we'll be talking about uh, some national quality animals and their experience through that all. It might be a little bit lengthy because we all like to talk. I promise we're not going to have just Oberhasley and Nigerian dwarf people on here. We will be getting other breeders and, and other people on this show. Um, but... <laughs> 
but you know, kind of, we kind of decided why not start it off with a bang, right, Nate? Right. So. <laughs> I'm excited. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, so anyway, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Do you have anything left, Nate? No, no. Just uh, think about what you you know breeding with this year, um, and take care of those animals. Exactly. Get them ready. Yep. Get them ready. And get ready for, you know, this is time to, we're moving into harvest season. Make sure your barn is full and red, full of hay and you're ready for the colder months ahead. So You got it. So uh, Okay. Well, thank you, Nate. And thank you, everybody, for listening uh, to Ringside and American Dairy Goat Podcast. I hope you guys have a wonderful time. Thanks again, Nate. Yep. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm.